everybody, and welcome back to the Elevated Office. My name is Eric McGrew, and this is episode three of season one. And today we're going to talk about the tool of the week, which are the notch stroller gloves. Then we're going to talk about the tree service tips, first things first, administratively organized, and why that's important when you're looking at getting your business started. I, I dealt with that myself, and I have a little bit of insight as to why I wish I had been better organized when I started. And then the special topic of today is beware of the ox man. What am I talking about? Well, let's see. Let's get into it now. So we're going to talk today for the tool of the week about the notch stroller, I think it's pronounced, gloves. These are the notch gloves that you can buy from treestuff.com or from Cheryl Tree. And they are the ones that have the uh, synthetic leather palms on them. And we're going to talk a little bit about the pros and cons of these gloves. So um, I will say that when I originally bought these gloves, I had read some reviews online and different things like that because I'm super analytical and super anal about everything I buy. And unfortunately, I had really high expectations of these gloves. Now, that may sound bad to start with, but I, I, I really had unrealistic expectations. And I say that because some of the um reviews on the gloves said things like oh i've had these gloves for six months and they've been incredible and they i i just can't imagine not working with them anymore or something like that i know the guy was talking about it them lasting him six months or something and i thought man that would be in that would be incredible or amazing because when i get you know the typical um mechanic style gloves that have a velcro wrist on them they last me, I don't know, maybe six weeks, maybe, um, usually around, not even. I mean, most of my mechanics gloves that I use only last me like two weeks or three weeks maybe at max. So, you know, at 19 bucks a pop, that's a good chunk of change you're spending every time you buy a new pair of gloves. These were not $19. The, the gloves are like $36 and something cents per pair and if you don't buy at least a hundred dollars worth you have to pay shipping so they end up being close to 40 bucks and um i thought well i'll give them a try i'll give them a go to start off with because i gotta try to find something that's better than what i've been using and the problem with the leather um palm gloves that i've been working with or leather work gloves i had worked with in the past is that I haven't found a good quality leather palm glove that had a Velcro wrist. All the ones that were leather palm that were Velcro wrist were more like a mechanic style glove. And the palm ended up being very thin. Where the leather met the other material, it tended to um, wear through real quick or tear or whatever be be abraded easily and that kind of stuff and just were generally not very good for my uses in tree service. So um, I, I gave the notch gloves a go and I will say that they are good, but they did let me down in comparison to that huge expectation. So once again, you may be saying, well, why are you talking about this product if if they're they're not so good? Well, I don't want them to sound like they're not so good. 
they are really good gloves. I just want you to know that some of the reviews out there are not very realistic, in my opinion at least. So I use these gloves for everything. Um, I wear them eight, nine hours a day, sometimes 12, depending on the job that we're doing. And these gloves get beat up. I'm working with cottonwood. I'm working with elm. I'm working with Russian olive. I'm working with, um, in some cases, you know, what they call Western Colorado cedar or Utah juniper, um, pinion pine, ponderosa pine, and they, they just get really, really worn. I'm using them to feed the chipper with or to grab brush off the ground. I'm using them handling wood out of the bucket or climbing. And then I'm also using them when I'm climbing for rope management. So if you do all of those or any of those, you can imagine how much wear and tear these things get just on their own. So that being said, the gloves have some definite pros and some, um, some cons I would say that, that I would like to mention. Um, I mean the fact that this is only my second tool review and I am talking about them makes a good point in my opinion, because they're worth mentioning this early on in the show. I don't lack tools to review and things like that. So keep that in mind. So with these, um, the pros to them definitely are that the shoulder uh, palm material is durable. It has good grip and traction on it, which I hate gloves when I grab a wet piece of wood or a smooth bark piece of wood, like a silver maple at the very top or a cottonwood at the very top in new growth. Very, very smooth. I cut it and it slips out of my hands. Cannot stand that. But um, the the not shoulder gloves don't have that problem. They have good grip on them. I don't feel like I'm losing control on anything. They have a very comfortable back or top section of them that breathes really well. So my hands stay probably the coolest in these gloves of all the gloves I've ever used. Um, they have a good neoprene wrist area and they have a nice comfortable uh, Velcro on the wrist. So that's good. The one thing that I have noticed that's a definite con to the gloves is that the shoulder material doesn't wrap around the, um, inside area of my palm between the thumb and my forefinger as much as I would like. I wish it would wrap up a little bit more because some, some way or another, the tools I use or the grabbing and managing wood tends to rub in there and it tends to abrade that area and it becomes weak very quickly. And another con to these gloves is that the, in between the, um, finger tip pad area of your fingers, if that makes any sense, and the palm, the shoulder material doesn't continue. It stops, it runs a section of your finger stops at your knuckles and then continues in the next area, stops at your knuckle, and then continues in the palm. The reason I don't like this, even though it's more flexible and you can bend your fingers in it better, is that the material in between the shoulder material is a bit weak, and it tends to tear or cut easily on 
sharp edges of wood like when I'm doing um, brush management and I'm doing groundy work and I throw limbs into the chipper uh, if it gets snagged on any little stem that had broken off or a limb or twig that had broken off the, the limb that I'm feeding through the chipper that little point that always inevitably uh, ensues from a break like that tends to grab and it tends to cut that material in between in the knuckle areas on the the palm of the glove very easily which once that stuff cuts and it's penetrated through it may not cut my hand which you know i get cuts and bruises all the time that's okay but it it just makes the glove um start to unravel fairly quickly in those areas and then it becomes uncomfortable and sawdust and everything starts to get down in the gloves and they they aren't as good so um, I've learned how to manage my hands a little bit more so that that doesn't happen as easily. Um, so my gloves are lasting a little bit longer. But it's kind of frustrating that I even have to worry about that. So that's a definite con. And then the price is the biggest other con. It, it's, I mean, almost 40 bucks for a pair of gloves is is pretty high. Now I will say that these gloves did last me a little over twice as long as my other gloves. My other gloves were 20 bucks and they lasted two weeks, maybe three weeks, depending on how aggressive I was working. These last me six weeks, five weeks, something like that. So basically, it's just saving me the hassle of going and picking up a pair of, an extra pair of mechanics gloves. But that being said, um, for me to get a, a decent price on them and not have to pay shipping every time on them and everything and to make sure that they're around when I need them, I'm buying stock on the gloves. I'm buying two or three pair at a time and I usually end up buying you know a carabiner or something along with it to, to get the hundred dollars and that's you know a free shipment from Cheryl Tree or from uh, tree stuff. Now, that being said, they have a good marketing plan because they're getting money from me because I'm buying things that I know I will use in the future, even though I don't need it in the moment, just to get that $100 free shipping stuff because I'm not going to pay 5 or $6 just for shipping on a pair of gloves. Uh, it's a principal thing. I just can't do it. So call me stupid. Probably am, but that's what I do. And um, I didn't, I've done that a couple times. I don't know how much more I'll do it. I'm evaluating them still a little bit more. But if you're looking, if you're a person that just has to have gloves, I think they're worth an effort or a try. I think it's worth the the, chan- the chance that they might work out for you. So definitely give them a go. See what happens with that. And um, evaluate what you like or don't like out of them and if they're worth it or not. I, I'd like to know your opinions on them. Oh, and one other con. Even though the gloves are very cool, they my hands breathe in them very well. The one negative to the mesh top up that you know that breathes is that there is no protection. I've cut my hand on top of my hand a couple of times with my uh, silky saw by accident, or nicked it on um, a a piece of brush going through the chipper that went through the mesh and grabbed my hand slightly. Um, Once again, they're nicks. It's not a huge thing, but when you're bleeding through your glove and the client sees it you know, they don't like that. They, they start to kind of worry sometimes and things. So if the top had a little bit more protection around the knuckle area, I think that would be good. But, you know, Cheryl Tree and treestuff.com are not listening to me. 
they I don't even register on their world of importance. So that's okay. I, I understand that. Um, I'd like to know what you guys think of them, though. Please feel free to leave me a, a, a voice message via the anchor.fm forward slash Eric hyphen McGrew podcast page. And um, I, I might include some of your thoughts in an upcoming podcast. I'd love to do that. I'd like to know what you guys think. So thank you. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see how these gloves continue to work for me in the future as well. So we'll see what goes on and we'll see from here on out. You guys may not know this, but I had a podcast in the past, and it was a fun thing to do, but it was a challenge to get my podcast to all the locations where everybody listened to podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the such were just a lot of work to manage to get everything where it needed to be. Now, though, I found Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors too so that you can get paid to podcast. How awesome is that? Honestly, I'm really happy to find Anchor again because I love podcasting. I love talking about what I do and sharing with you all the things that I like to do as well. So if you're interested in starting a podcast like I am, go to anchor.fm slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start. And join today for your free podcast and become part of the community. I can't wait to hear what you put out on anchor.fm slash start. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. Today on First Things First, we're going to talk about getting administratively organized for your business. So if you're a startup company and you're listening to this podcast as as what to do now and what you're thinking about, one of the big mistakes I made, honestly, is that I didn't get the administrative side as set up as I would like to have, or that maybe even I should have. Um, A friend of mine try kind of gave me an idea of what he does and his ways of doing things and mine are a lot different and I found that not being administratively organized really caused me double work and a lot of heartache in the in the end so I would really suggest to everybody honestly evaluate your abilities your limits what it is that you think you can do what it is that you're capable of actually doing and then go about organizing your business before you go out selling before you start doing a lot of jobs and that kind of stuff because simply managing your invoices um, your payments received and your insurance and your insurance title or not title holders your insurance um, 
what is it called where you sometimes you have to send out your insurance certificate to people so that they have it on file for you and you have to make sure all this stuff is done um especially if you want any clients such as you know hoas for big country clubs or business companies um one of the clients that i have is a insurance rep for the region here and she has a rental home and she asked me to do some work and of course what she wanted was to see my um, insurance and she wanted a copy of it emailed to her so that she had it on file in case something happened and yada 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 and I have to have a system in place to keep up with who has and who doesn't have my insurance for instance Um, if somebody wants to be a an additional insured on my insurance. I have to keep up with how many are on there because after a certain amount, they charge me an extra every time I have one added, something like that. And so I have to keep up with those documents. Um, My registration for business name, any registration you have to do for licensing and all that stuff, it's all gotta be taken care of. And then of course, you wanna be able to use your deductions to the maximum which I'm not going into taxes and things, but you have to be able to keep up with what your expenses are, what your income truly is, what it is that, you know, if you need a loan for equipment, what if your chipper breaks down or what if you need to buy a chipper for the first time or what if you need to rent a lift, you have to make sure that, you know, people have what they need and that you can get it to them quickly. And if you don't have it, you can lose jobs, one, and, and two, it just makes life so much more stressful. Um, the, the fact of the matter is, is that working in tree service, like any service work, is a, it's a stressful job. You are dealing with either yourself trying to manage difficult situations like cutting trees in tight areas or keeping them from falling on somebody's car, house, or you know damaging their property, whatever it might be. And then on top of that, you have three customers that you've estimate you've given estimates to now, you know, texting you while you're up in a tree or in a bucket or while you're pulling on a rope and they want to know how quickly you're going to get the, your insurance, you know, to them, a proof of your insurance because they won't commit to the job until you get that to them and you're on a job that's occupying all your time and at the same time you know that if you don't get this to them then tomorrow your guys are out of work because you don't have another job set up ideally that wouldn't happen ideally you know we would all have work a week out or something like that but let's face it if you don't manage things right if if the organization in the administrative side isn't there then you're not going to have work a week out you're always going to be chasing your tail trying to get the work done currently and trying to make sure that you get what you need for them to have the work that they need as well. It, it I know it sounds very complicated and it can be at times, but putting certain things into to places is much better. Like for instance, um, and I'll go into this more in the future, but I was introduced to a an app called Joist and it manages estimates, invoices, and contacts for my clients and I can take an invoice, email it to them, email a copy to myself, or I can take an estimate, 
email it to them, email it to myself, and when it's done, then I can convert the estimate into an invoice, making, you know, edits if I need to, to add line items, because every once in a while you get a client that says, all right, well, you're here. Why don't you, I was just thinking about, why don't you do this for me too? Um, Paper invoices and all that stuff can be made from Joyce, for instance, because it's an app on your phone or your tablet, but it's also a web-based app that you can access via the internet. And so you have access from different areas, but at the same time, you have digital records that are on the fly, as long as you have cell service or whatever. And um, if you choose, you can even use it to organize your jobs. So, you know, I'm not trying to sell you on this app. What I'm saying is you either need people or products that can help you be organized. And that is so, so key to being able to to have a successful and fluidly running business. I, I, you know, I've had certain things certain ways and I'm adjusting and I'm getting to a point in my business now that my wife and I were doing the taxes basically and she works for a company herself and now we're looking at, well, is, is us doing the tax really the best thing or should I get an accountant? Which, you know, the, the challenge with that is while it frees up your own time and maybe some stress, you also have to consider the monthly fee or the yearly cost of using an accountant as well. So um, these are all decisions that need to be made because it not only affects your time, your emotional energy, which, you know, last thing you want to do is be in a tree with a chainsaw and be distracted by how you're going to get your next job bid or how you're going to pay your taxes or how much you're going to owe on taxes or did you send that invoice out or did you not? Um, That's not safe. And then beyond that, you know, just the the aspect of just the the stress it makes it difficult but at the same time you need to make sure that you're bidding enough on your jobs to cover the cost of whatever it is that you're employing as your administrative side so if you have an office administrator or secretary that's taking these calls and forwarding you the bids or if you have somebody out doing bids and estimates for you um, if you have an accountant that's doing the work for you, all this needs to be considered as part of your your cost of doing business and your jobs need to make enough money or you need to sell enough jobs to cover those costs as well. So the best way to manage how many jobs you need to bid and win and for how much is to get your administrative side organized the best you can up front. Now, there will be adjustments as you grow or as time goes on and you find one thing works or doesn't work, but at least get some kind of base down first, then move into the other aspects of it. And I think it'll, they'll make your life as a tree service professional for a small company a lot, lot easier. So, uh, you know, I, I wish I had made some different adjustments and decisions up front. Didn't. Now I'm reeling to, to get them under control now. And, you know, it's just part of life. But I hope through my mistakes eight months ago, you're able to be able to start off on a better foot and not have those same mistakes that I did. So that's that's what we're all hoping for. Right. And of course, 
As always, I'd, I'd like to hear from you guys and know what it is that you're employing and how you manage things so that we can all better the community. And You know them. I know them. We've all seen them. You've probably even worked with them. We're talking about the Oxman. That's right. We're talking about that guy on the job site that can pick up anything can bear hug the biggest tree stump and trunk you've ever seen and manhandle it and yet seem to get away with it. But you'll notice that the very beginning of this podcast, I said the special section of this podcast would be beware of the Oxman. So why am I talking about being aware of this guy if He's the guy that can move and, you know, manhandle anything. Well, the the fact of the matter is, is that it's awesome to have somebody like that around on your job site because when you need that stump moved and the tractor is down or not there or you don't have a tractor at all, you can cut bigger chunks and they can throw them in the back of the truck or on the trailer or whatever. But that ability many times I've already seen becomes one of their faults for overconfidence. I've seen it not only in tree work, but in sign installation. I saw it all the time. I've seen it in manufacturing and I've seen it in construction. It, it happens. They, they get so confident in it that they, they make decisions and they do things that are super precarious and I will say that there have been times where I have asked these people to do something super precarious because I didn't know how else to manage it but at that point there wasn't much of an option for me I felt like look you're the ox man you can do it get it done and I took the risk and that was fine I was making the decision as the manager or as the foreman or in the case that I am now as the business owner the challenge comes into play when they get in a habit of doing it regularly and it's needless because they think it's faster or better so why is that a bad deal for you as a business owner and for your company well there's a number of reasons right so not as often as it's benefited us but every once in a while the Oxman drops a piece and where does it go? It goes exactly where we didn't want it. Um, it breaks a piece of equipment. It, you know, tears up the customer's property. It makes, even if it doesn't tear up anything, a huge noise. And then all of a sudden the customer has lost confidence in us because they're nervous and scared. They feel like things are out of control. Even though the everything is fine, the truth of the matter is, is that something was out of control and now they know it because they've been startled. And that's a challenge because once a customer gets to that point, it can be a challenge to get them back into our confidence when we need them to be. And after that, what if something does break? Uh, whereas if that hadn't have occurred because they weren't, you know, overly self-confident and they were doing things by who knows rigging out with rope or cutting into smaller chunks or you know 
using a, a lift in a better way or whatever it might have been that they were avoiding. Um, now, because they've made this mistake and it scared them, if we do accidentally drop something and it breaks something, they're less likely to let it slide. They're less likely to let you be forgiven. And they're more likely, even if they let you fix it or whatever, they're more likely to give you a bad review because they feel unconfident and uncomfortable with you. And you're less likely to get a job lead out of it um, from them speaking word of mouth. In fact, it's probably going to work in our, uh, it's probably going to work against us rather than for us. So the ox man, while he can be extremely useful at times, can be extremely dangerous to our company reputation, our customer's property, and also to the health and well-being of our equipment and crew. And I don't say crew is the last place because they're less you know, valuable. Um, I, I have, in fact, seen certain situations where things were done and because it was such a borderline controllable situation by the oxman, um, he couldn't really see what was going on. And crew members were very close when big, huge pieces were, I guess you could say dropped, but more, I would say the, the more apt um, explanation would be they couldn't hold on to them any longer. They managed the piece just long enough to get it into a quote-unquote safe zone and then they dropped it and for my my preference groundsmen and other crew members were just too close for comfort so you know once again the the oxman can be a great asset and i think each and every one of us want and have one of them on our crew but they can be a hazard and then on top of all of this that we've already spoken about, another aspect is we have to, as business owners, contractors, and foremen or whatever it is, worry about health and um, damage that the oxman may do to himself. If he tries to pick up a piece too big, will he mess up his back? Will he you know, break something? Will he trip and stumble? and fall on something or into something um being able to pick it up is one thing being able to manage it on your shoulders or on your back to the drop-off zone is a whole nother thing and as you guys know in the tree service industry if you're taking down a tree for instance or doing big trimming there's almost always twigs sticks and brush that needs to be gotten up and it's easy to trip so the the truth of it is is that from my perspective with my experience not only in tree service but my you know 20 plus years of experience in service work beware of the oxman he can be a great asset but he can be a huge liability if we don't keep him in control and we have to know and explain when the appropriate time or not is to use those abilities that he has and we have to explain why sometimes just saying no they're not kids they're, they're human beings they're adults they need to know why and they need to respect that if they don't respect it we need to find a new oxman if they do respect it then hey the more the merrier they it, it can be a a great situation where 
they benefit our company and themselves because they have a unique ability. But we shouldn't rely on them even as company owners or job foremen to the point where we slip by maybe slightly slower and safer practices because we've become accustomed or we've become confident in their ability because it only takes one time of it going bad real quick for it to go bad for a long time. Um, some insurance claims are difficult to deal with. Some, uh, if, you, if a crew member gets hurt, that's a major deal that we have to deal with for a long time. That's no fun at all, especially if things like the police, OSHA, you know, get all involved and, and that's no fun. So, yeah, we all have one for the most part. We all love the Oxmen for what they can do. But definitely, definitely we need to be aware of the Oxmen and keep them, you know, in, in a good sense in control and, and reasonable. So, yeah, I hope that, you know, you guys have an Oxman and that you're able to use them but always within that balanced reason. There we are, the end of yet another episode. Episode 3 is wrapping up. We want to thank everybody for stopping by. We hope that you guys found our topics interesting this week. Of course, we went over the pros and cons of the notch stroller gloves. We also talked about why being administratively organized is so important for a startup company or a new company in general. And then, of course, being aware of the Oxmen is always something that we'll keep an eye out on for no matter how long we've been in business. Because while they can be a great asset to themselves and to our company, at the same time, they can be a huge liability if we don't help them maintain their abilities and control and also be reasonable in use of those abilities is considered. So we want to thank you guys again for stopping back by. I'm so happy to have you guys here with me. I'm enjoying doing these podcasts. I hope you guys are enjoying them as well. Um, I say guys all the time. I mean ladies too. I'm, I'm so happy to have uh, the ability to share what little bit of knowledge I have about this and what I'm learning as well as hopefully in the future I'll have more of you guys on as well as guests and we'll talk about more stuff to come. We'll talk about more business tactics, um, how to handle and manage customers a little bit better, other tool reviews of course. We'll, as time goes on we'll get into funnier scenarios that have occurred during tree service work as well. And of course I always want to encourage you guys to leave me voice comments so that I can include them in my podcast. if. If you're willing to do so, um, I'm, I'm always glad to hear from you people and know what's going on in your lives and in your sector of the world as far as the tree industry goes. Also, if you don't mind, consider donating a little bit to the podcast to help me keep it going. Um, I know it's new and I don't expect for you guys to donate anything. It's just if you could and if you would, I would really appreciate it. Um, you can check out more about that at anchor.fm forward slash e-r-i-c dash m-c-g-r-e-w and you can um, start to donate and help me keep the podcast going and help me keep reviews and stuff like that going as well so hope to see you guys in the next one hope you're enjoying it and please be safe out there in all that you do with tree service